You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heavenly Holt. Open Mic Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with both local and touring musicians and artists. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Thank you to this episode's sponsor, The Blast From Our Past podcast. Are you a child of the 80s or 90s? Are you nostalgic for the movies or TV shows of your childhood? Check out The Blast From Our Past podcast, hosted by Adam and John Spees. Come along as they dive into your favorite movies, such as the children's fantasy epic, The NeverEnding Story, or the summertime adventure film, The Sandlot as well as TV shows like Thundercats and DuckTales. They say you have to grow up sometime, but we don't think so. You can find The Blast from Our Past podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and on Facebook and Twitter at at BlastPastCast. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and making it possible. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. I am your host, Heather Lee Holt, and today we have... John Cotton. John Cotton is from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he's going to tell you a little bit about himself. Thanks for having me on, Heather. I just moved here to Tennessee about nine years ago to go to Lee University, and so I lived in Cleveland for a while, and then I moved to Chattanooga really just three years ago, but I've been coming down here the whole time. Where'd you move from? I moved up from Marietta, Georgia. No wonder we have so much in common. I'm from Alpharetta, and I moved up here 10 years ago. Okay. We kind of experienced the Chattanooga growth together. Definitely. And the, the change of music scene, I think, too. Oh, yeah. So what'd you do at Lee? I went there thinking I was going to maybe do music, but I didn't go all in on it. So I studied communications. One of my best friends was a music major and helped me realize sort of through him, that it was not for me. So I studied audio and video production. Okay, and that's what you do now? Yes. Right now I'm working as a freelance video producer and doing some digital production for web and software as well. And let's talk about the music that you do. I started off with music sort of in a weird way. When I was really little, I would record music using a tape player and I would use the drum machine on like an old Yamaha keyboard and play really bad guitar and just layer things and layer things. How did you know how to do this? I didn't. <laughs> My brother was in a band, like a punk band, and so he had a digital recorder. So I just sort of watched him record some stuff and then Eventually, he got real busy and was doing other things, and I just kind of stole all his stuff and started using it. So that's how your experience do it. And then you had to experiment with it to learn how to do it. And I never did lessons or anything like that. And I used to think that was really cool until looking back, and I realized that I could have saved myself a lot of time if I actually learned how to play guitar right. Mm -hmm. But the project I'm working on now... I played in a band in college called Oso Cavalier. We did two records and we played for two and a half years. And I was the singer and the main writer for that project. And it was just kind of indie rock music. I sort of got really burnt out and could not figure out how to keep music going for a long time after that. So after about four years of not really doing anything, I accidentally bought a synthesizer 
I knew nothing about synthesizers or how they work and how to how to make them sound cool, but I bought this analog synthesizer and just started playing with it. And then after just a couple of months of just having fun with this instrument, sort of came out with a couple of songs and did my first recording for this project called No Thank You, John. Let's talk a little bit more about it after you do a song. Okay. The first song I'm going to do is off my latest recording. It's called Foreign.
So that's really dope. <laughs> Thank you. Did Ivan play drums for that one? So in the recordings, I've just sampled and programmed everything. But then live, Ivan just brings a whole new level of energy and performance to the songs. So when I first saw you, you were opening for Okinawa. And I was kind of blown away at how awesome it was. Thank you. Ivan makes everything a whole new level. But what you do is really good. Thank you. And you do it all yourself? Yes. What does the process look like with that? So these songs are an exercise for me in not having too many rules and not editing too terribly much. So typically I'm just going for a sort of feeling with them and then just trying to spend as much time with that feeling as I can. And a lot of my recording recently is just been basically spent just like a performance would be like at this table here with all these different synthesizers and the effects and stuff and not spending a whole lot of time editing them or anything. Yeah, it's really good. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you came about performing these live for the first time with Capture? Yes. Capture Chattanooga is a community filmmaking event that the Association for Visual Arts does every year. And it's just a really neat event where anyone can participate and they go out and they just capture life in Chattanooga on whatever they have, their phone, their camera. Then they have these teams here in Chattanooga or last year it was also in Kansas City. And so there were four teams that were just taking all of that same material and then just making a story out of it with music and editing. And it's a competition, right? It is, yes. And so my good friend Eric Simpson and I, he plays in a band called Dream Journal. We teamed up to just do music for that project. So I was just sort of handling a lot of the production and, and the recording, and he was just really going to be helping out with a lot of the theory. And just we've worked together really well in the past. So we came together on that project. But one of the rules of entry was that if you were going to be on the music team, you needed to be able to play live at the event. And I had never done that before, so I wasn't really sure how to make some of these songs that had just been recording be good playing live and it not sounding like karaoke. Mm -hmm. And so I just stripped them all back down and rearranged them using less complicated instruments. Yeah, that's really cool. And then you called Ivan. So I posted a video of my capture performance, and Ivan's like, hey, I like your stuff. I like what you're doing. Let's talk about it sometime. And then we developed a really cool friendship. I feel like almost embarrassed to play with him because he is just... He's, he, he's next good. level. Yeah. Professional good. Yeah, he is. But he makes me have that much more professionalism to just take myself seriously. And so that when I do go, you know, to practice with him or to play a show with him, that you're not wasting anyone's time. No, not at all. Yeah. He does give a lot of his time for cool projects and the better good of the music scene in Chattanooga, I feel like. Don't oh you? yeah. I think he's he's contributed so much to the music scene in Chattanooga and he's going to be contributing so much more with what he's playing now, some of his other efforts, mm -hmm. you know. He has a heart for Chattanooga, which is amazing. Thank you, Ivan. Yes. So how did the capture competition turn out? 
It was awesome. There was a lot of good footage. Our team was really fun. Like I sort of knew the the editors on our team and it was different not being an editor because I am an editor by trade and it was really neat to just focus on music. The other aspect of it. Yeah. And my coworkers were the other Chattanooga editing team, so they wouldn't let me be on the team with them. So it was it was kind of cool because they were participating too, but we also beat them and then they gave me a hard time for it. To, to this day, yeah. Is that a competition that happens every year? I believe so. So you worked for PBS, but now you're freelancing. And what all does that entail? I get the lucky end of things right now where my wife works full-time and our kids are only in preschool part-time, like 25 hours a week. So I have a weird window to work. And right now I take them to school, you know, Monday through Thursday, and then I... I'm working on either freelance video projects, which can look all sorts of ways. Sometimes I'm editing, sometimes I'm just writing you know, proposals or having meetings with people. And I also have been doing more digital production for websites and web development. And so I sort of split my time between maybe running the video business side of things and working with code on some app development and stuff. I don't know if we said this, but you have a four and a one-year-old. Yes. And they're both girls. Mm-hmm. Do they love music already? Yes. So Margaret is very percussive. She doesn't talk a whole lot, partially because her older sister doesn't ever stop talking. And then Bonnie is just very musical. She has been saying she wants to be an astronaut, but that has changed to now she wants to be a singer and move to Nashville and live with Dolly Parton (laughs) and send people books. That's great. Do you have her playing on instruments or anything yet? We got her a ukulele for uh, her birthday, so we work on that a little bit, but we're not pushing anything. You got to let her kind of want to want to do it. Let's do another song. All right. This song is called Crooked House, and it's off of my very first No Thank You John recording.
you to this episode's sponsor, the Blast From Our Past podcast. Are you a child of the 80s or 90s? Are you nostalgic for the movies or TV shows of your childhood? Check out the Blast From Our Past podcast, hosted by Adam and John Spees. Come along as they dive into your favorite movies, such as the children's fantasy epic, The NeverEnding Story, or the summertime adventure film, The Sandlot as well as TV shows like Thundercats and DuckTales. They say you have to grow up sometime, but we don't think so. You can find The Blast from Our Past podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and on Facebook and Twitter at at LastPassCast. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and making it possible. I like that one. Much more chill vibe than the first one. Oh, yeah. You should hear the recording. It's just very sparse and chill. And then I had a lot of extra stuff when I was able to, like, go live with it. Yeah. I dig it. Do you have these up somewhere that people can find? Yes. If you want to buy it, the best place to go is to nothankyoujohn.bandcamp.com. And then it's streaming on Apple Music and Spotify. Very cool. So you have a whole album? Uh, so I have three track albums. Wow. So like, I've essentially done one a year, and I want to do an album at some point, but I haven't figured out how to write all those songs yet. Yeah. So let's talk about what you like to listen to. <laughs> okay, so I grew up listening to mostly contemporary Christian music on the radio because my parents love me, I guess. Censored. Yeah, I was very, very censored. But I have my dad's vinyl collection, which has, like, Fleetwood Mac and, like, Eagles and Zeppelin and everything in it. All this great music that they listened to, you know, when they were my age, but they made us listen to the Christian radio station. (laughs) But here lately, I'm sort of all over the place with, with music, but I've really been digging this band called The Japanese House, which is, like, an electronic band. They're really awesome. And this other band I listen to churches and you know arcade fire and and, i mean any band that has a girl singer i I pretty much listen to i just like those bands better yeah so they didn't censor your listening through like high school and stuff like that no by that time you were listening to whatever you wanted yeah pretty much yeah i I was do a lot of music that i I don't like anymore Mm -hmm. when i was in high school like i was really into punk music and punk rock music so i listened to like blink 182 some 41 the used i went through that phase too all all of those bands (laughs) um i think the only one i still like is mxpx Uh (laughs) uh-huh so why don't we do a cover okay my four-year-old who's really into dolly parton would have had me play a Dolly Parton song, but I was able to convince her to let me do an Arcade Fire song. Awesome. And did you learn this, especially for the podcast? Yes. I pulled my friends and got like a bunch of options, and then I threw them all away and, and picked this song yeah. for my daughter. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs>
That was so good. Thank you. Incorporating that into a live setting might be really, really cool. There's, there's like this unspoken rule in Chattanooga that you have to play covers. No, my attitude is totally changing after this. Like you, you may have got me on that one. Really? Like I used to just think I, can, I can write my own songs. Like why do I, why do I need to learn other people's songs? But yeah. I'm excited. And it's pretty, it's pretty releasing because practicing your own stuff. There's like a, almost like a set of instructions that you have to follow. But then learning a, a cover. It's very almost therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. And new. Yeah. So let's talk about the nonprofit that you work with. Yes. For the past four years now, I've been working with this nonprofit that's based out of Uganda. It's called Simone's Kids. It's founded by a friend of mine. Her name is Simone. And it was just originally she raised $500 to keep a private school in Uganda from closing. Then she started going there and developing relationships with the people around the school and eventually started an entire 
nonprofit where its its whole purpose is just to support those kids of that school. And so it was just a primary school then, but we've recently taken over a secondary school too. And so we've got 500 kids that the nonprofit is handling sponsorships and facilities and paying the staff. It's just a really cool operation. And it's small, so pretty much any anything you give to it goes straight to Uganda for these kids' school. That's such a beautiful thing to see such a little project turn into something that's so much bigger and, shall I say, more impactful. That's so rewarding to know that you're helping. 500 people is a lot of little people. Oh, yeah. And then the people that they're connected to, you know they're benefiting because it helps the whole community. So 500 is the direct impact, but then there's no telling how many people it helps beyond that. Right. And you help market. Yes. I was able to serve on the board there because I went to Uganda to work for them. Like they hired me to go there before I became involved with them. And so I, I've been to the schools and I shot video there for them. And then when I came back and sort of finished that job, I just started volunteering with them. And we now have a marketing committee with three other people that are just amazing at graphic design and website stuff. And I do the videos. So we do a lot of videos. And you're volunteering your time to do this because you see... What a beautiful thing that's happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's inspiring. Yeah. So if people want to donate, where do they go? Right now, you can go to simoneskids.org. How do you spell that? S-I-M-O-N-E-S, kids.org? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we this year, one of the cool fundraisers we did was people contributed to buy, you know, shoes for, for these kids. So, like, 500-something pairs of shoes but they're not just one-and-done sneakers. They're like a shoe that actually grows four sizes, so they will last these kids two and a half, three years. Whoa. What kind of shoes are those? Just really rad sandals, you know, like... That's so cool. That's really awesome. That's really beautiful that you do that. Seriously. Yeah, so go get five bucks or ten or more. Yeah, and you, you can sponsor a child's school for 20 bucks a month. Wow. And like all of that goes over there to pay for their school. So what are your plans coming up for the future? I got a really cool start this year playing shows, doing some solo shows and playing with Ivan. And it's been a lot of fun. And I sort of have just been challenged to up my game a little bit. And so right now I'm working on figuring out a way to incorporate a visual performance with some of this music. So I'm not 100% sure what that looks like yet. It's going to involve DIY lights probably and maybe some projections and hopefully some new songs too. Yeah. I always end every show with what advice you can give to musicians or non-musicians or anyone. My favorite advice to give is just don't ever take advice from other people. (laughs) But I've been thinking about that a little bit lately and I would change that to be bold and... Don't get embarrassed too much, and then don't be afraid to lean on the community of other people because that will help you do great things. Awesome. Well, we're going to do your last song, but thank you so much for coming today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. The last song I'll play tonight is called Into the Sun.
perfect way to end. Thank you so much. Thank you. Open Mic Spotlight is currently looking for future episode sponsors. Sponsorship benefits include spoken ads on episodes and logos and written ads on iTunes and social media. All funds go directly to the production and marketing of each episode. If you would like to sponsor or hear more details, please contact me at heatherleeholt at openmicspotlight.com. I would like to give a warm thank you to Jesse Junkerth for mixing this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes, Facebook, or even the openmicspotlight.com website. If you love this podcast, share it on Facebook and tell your friends about the awesome talent you hear on Open Mic Spotlight. It would be a huge help.